Welcome to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film, proudly in collaboration with Brick Studios. I'm Jose Pusella. Join me as I take you on this audio journey with Heath Davis on the making of his new crowdfunded film, Christmas. Welcome back to this third installment of Diary of a Creative from Oz to NZ, celebrating individuals and their love of the arts and the careers they're carving out of this love and anything in between. Last outing, I caught up with Perth filmmaker Ben Young days before his flight out to a mountainous location in Atlanta, Georgia, to start prep on where all light tends to go with Billy Bob Thornton and Robin Wright. This week, I virtually traversed the trans-Tasman bubble into Middle Earth to chat with an individual who is a dedicated and respected early childhood educator, has referred to themselves as an accidental actor, starring in TV shows the likes of The Water Cooler, The Eggplant, and my personal favorite, Wellington Paranormal, as well as various short films, in addition to appearing as Officer O'Leary alongside her patrol partner, Officer Minogue, in their original incarnations as members of the New Zealand Police Force in the Vampire mockumentary, What We Do in the Shadows, written and directed by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. And we're not playing Scully to Minogue's on-screen police persona of Mulder because he's a guy with brown hair. You can catch her musical stylings in the kids' band Fun and Funner with ECC colleague and good friend Tom Watson, accompanied by some awesome Wellington musicians making music and playing music for kids that adults love too. So thank you so much for taking time to join me out of your day, Karen O'Leary. Oh, kia ora koutou. Thank you. Call Karen Yes, hello everybody. My name is Karen. It's lovely to be here. And gosh, you've made me sound quite impressive, but we'll see how it goes from here. Before we crack on, I just need some housekeeping. If you've enjoyed our last episode as much as Ben Young enjoys doing donuts in the ATV Gator at his parents' sheep farm, then pop a wheelie in your armchairs and drift onto our Facebook page or our Twitter at DiaryBocratF1. Please subscribe and reshare the episodes so the momentum for this podcast and Heat's upcoming fourth film, Christmas, continues throughout the film's production hiatus. I am truly stoked to have you here for this opportunity to chat. And I wanted to kick off with, uh, you know, you're an alma mater of Victoria University of Wellington. You graduated with a bachelor's degree in education, but I wanted to know what was Karen O'Leary, the uni student, like? Well, I was a uni student for a very long time, so maybe that paints a picture. Um, (laughs) I originally went to university straight out of high school because I thought that's what you're supposed to do. You know, that was what you did. If you finished high school, you go to university. So I originally went and did politics and education, um, but then I realised it wasn't the, the scene that I was hoping it to be. Like, I think because I wasn't in a hostel, because I lived in Wellington anyway, I didn't have that kind of, you know, you went in a hostel making heaps of mates and just going out to the pub all the time. It's like, oh, this isn't what I thought. So I sort of dropped out of that and um, went on the dole, which I thought was great, and just watched Sky Sport for about, I don't know, 12 months on the <laughs> on the couch. Um, and then and then after that, I was like, I'd better start doing something. And so I thought, oh, maybe I've always thought teaching would be cool. So I enrolled in Teachers College at, at um, Vic University. Um, and then I enrolled to do primary training because I thought, you know, early childhood's just like babysitting. I don't want to do that. That's not real teaching. So I started off doing primary and as a young person, I tended to have a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And so I used to get into a little bit of trouble every now and again. And so I did manage to get um, asked to leave Teachers College twice. Um, and so then after that, I was like, maybe primary is not for me. And the, the time I was, while I was at university, I was relieving an early childhood centre called Adelaide Early Childhood Centre. And the more time I spent there, the more I realised, actually, this is the most important time in education, if you ask me. These children are like, this is where they're working out who they are as people. So you need to have the most inspiring teachers. So I went back for a third time, and third time's a charm, in my opinion. Mm. And I did early childhood and finally got my degree after a very long time and a very massive student loan. <laughs> I want to go back to the uh, early childhood uh, centre because I think it's fantastic work. And that's really talks about your passion and dedication for education. Let's say from when you decided to drop politics 
and even were on the door for 12 months. Where did you, where did you pick up your fondness for Lions? What are they called? The uh, Lions Browns brew. Oh, Lions Brown? Lion Brown? Yeah. Who told you that I drink Lion Brown? That's a false fact you've got Okay, there. that's good. Well, I'm glad we've cleared that it, up. So- it was Tui. It was Tui that I like to drink. I drank a lot of Tui. That's, oh, that was well, the beer, my beer I'm of choice. Back. I'm going to go back. I'm not going yep. to name anyone because I don't want to get in correctly, but uh, that's actually floating Someone around. So. Is, is it? Well, that rumor has got to get out of town because it was, I was a staunch Tui advocate. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, so do you like the extra dry, the uh, new, what's your Tui's? Well, well, these days, I'm obviously, as a Wellingtonian, we have a lot of craft beer and a lot of amazing craft beer breweries. So I've moved up to the craft beer world now. So I enjoy, I'm at the moment, I'm loving a hazy IPA. That would be my, my go-to beer. Um, and But just anything that's got a, a nice lot of flavor. Lovely. Look, I, and I'm going to go back now to, the, with regards to the politics that you dropped yeah. out. Do you feel that at some point, you may go back into that because you are such a staunch advocate of education. Maybe you'll find yourself, you know, vying for an appointment on the Ministry of Education sometime in the not too distant future. Well, look, it's certainly not something I, I, I'd say no to. And it's certainly something I have thought about and people have said, you know, you should go into politics. Um, so it's kind of in my maybe long term, once I get a bit older, you know, like I'm not that old, I'm only 43. So once I get to maybe I don't know, 50, or once my theoretical um, acting career crashes and burns, then I'll be like, I know, now what I'll do is I'll go into politics and try and affect positive change for as many people as I can. Well, and speaking of that positive change, I was reading in an interview, uh, in a 2020 interview with Now to Love, you stated, I still work as a team leader, so this obviously could be updated, at the amazing community-based early childhood centre, Adelaide ECC, or Adelaide. When... When did you start there and during the time you've been there, um, what have mm. you seen in terms of inclusivity and teaching practices that better engage uh, early childhood learning? Yeah, so I started there in the year 2000. So I was there for 21 years all up. So I, I did finally resign after 21 years last September because I was just starting to get a little bit too busy with acting and also trying to run, a early child, run an early childhood centre. Mm. And Adelaide had always been so supportive of my, my you know, foray into acting and let, would give me time off to go and do paranormal and stuff. Um, so I didn't want them to get a, a second best version of me. So I decided it was time to go. But going back to your, your other question, I guess in the time that I was a teacher, I certainly think we have moved a long way in terms of understanding and appreciating diversity as a, as a, as a really valuable thing rather than seeing it as a challenge. And this, this still isn't the case in lots of early childhood centres. And I still think that we need to have a lot of movement. And there are a lot of centres, especially because of the privatisation of it that's happened over here in New Zealand. You've still got people that are trying to make money out of education. And the only way you can do that is if you pay your teachers the bare minimum and have the least teachers you can and the most, you know, maybe the youngest or most unqualified. So I think in high quality centres, there's been a lot of work done around, yeah, just accepting difference, seeing it as a, as a strength rather than trying to normalise everyone and saying, we just want everyone to feel the same. Because I think... Mm. There's a real issue with that. I don't think you want, we don't want sameness. If, if we had a world with everyone being the same, it would be pretty boring. Absolutely. And again, I think as well, for me, what I've seen as well, early childhood with its holistic view of education and, and t- trying to tap into children's interests and use those as the, you know, as the starting point for learning in, in all areas is really positive because it means that everyone has a chance of success because the things that they're into are going to be tapped into. So therefore they feel good at what they're learning, you know, and they're learning it in a way that's fun and something that's engaging for them. Um, I still think um, in New Zealand that the primary sector, and as you, as you get later and later in school, 
the, the view of education, the view of success narrows and narrows. And I think that's a real shame. So you've got children that quickly get a view of themselves as not good learners or not competent mm -hmm. learners because they can't do the three very basic things like reading, writing and arithmetic, you know. So I think I think we as education as a whole needs to really open up and look to make sure that we're emphasizing the best way for children to learn and the, and the, the things that they want to be learning about. Beautifully said. And it also, I think it speaks about equality versus equity. Absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, we see that happening all the time. Yeah, again, that goes back to that notion of sameness. It's like, well, look, is everyone just starts at the same point and they've all got the same opportunities? We, we know that's not the case. If you've got a child that's come from a certain um, background that has a certain life that lives, a you know, and they're, and they're up against someone who lives a very privileged, well-resourced life, then who's got this? They've got a massive head start, you know? And even if you look at, you know, white privilege, all of that kind of stuff, there are so many people that are in a position of privilege and they and they still do not, they do not see that they have that. And I think that's really, that's really worrying. Yeah. No, indeed. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah. Look, I wanted to talk, and I'm going to jump back and forth because I really want to explore passions. And, and so it, you're great. Okay. So let's talk acting. That's my really oh. terrible, my, uh, Lawrence yes. Fishburne. And I'm going to work. I guess that. I thought it was Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, I was going to say, is that Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah. <laughs> Does it help you if I say, I'm doing Lawrence Fishburne, and then yeah, that's that's what gave it away pretty yeah, much. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Like when Parker does his, his impersonations in Paranormal, exactly. exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I've been seen. <laughs> yeah. Look, can you share a little bit about your character and role in the upcoming Australian New Zealand co-production Nude Tuesday? And I believe the complete the uh, production's completed and it's in post, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Are you allowed to yes. share anything about that? I don't know. I don't think I am. I think it's still I think it's still top secret. I know that Jermaine, I think there has been a media release. So people know that it's a movie about a group of couples that go away and there is um, people that might be naked in the film. So I can confirm that I am in the film as one as one member of a couple. And but ultimately it was a very it was a really empowering experience. And I worked with such amazing people. Jackie Van Beek's marvelous. Arman Valentine, who was directing, is, is fantastic. And every single one of the people in that in that crew and the cast um, were just just fantastic to work with. Yeah, but it's it'll be worth seeing. That's all I can say. But I, I don't want to get into trouble because I never. No, I've no, always, no, of course. But it was nice working with some Australians as well. Yeah, I'm just taking this from the actual Good Things production website. New Tuesday is an absurdist comedy about a couple that spends a week at a New Age retreat in a bid to save yes. their marriage. So we'll leave it at that. I. So basically, well, like I said, I'm, I'm one member of one of the couples. Um, I've got a delightful female partner in the, in the film. And um, yeah, it's, it is really funny and it'll be entertaining to watch. Yeah. Now, you've also been involved with a few web series, uh, namely On the Rag, Educators, Potluck Season 1 and 2. Um, I wanted to actually focus on the eggplants. Oh, yes. I love now, the eggplants. I love the two, actually. I finished watching it. Because what I like to do is when I'm doing this research, I really want to get in as much as I can to understand and see yeah. what people are doing. Because you don't want to have, there's nothing worse than having a discussion with somebody. And if they ask you about work they've done and you draw a blank, you know, yeah. it's like, make <laughs> the effort. So, yeah, and I have been interviewed by people like that in the past, and it is highly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Look, so yeah. I'm going to just to summarize it it's a six part New Zealand comedy drama released in 2020, in which you play Kathleen Morris this paper mache aubergine crime solver and principal of Hilltop High. Uh, again, now, so this is taken directly from the Eggplate website. The miniseries is aimed at helping young people shed light on the dark side of the World Wide Web. It deals with issues around bullying, 
nudes, porn, and grooming. Stay alert, yeah. be careful, and keep it real online. How did you become involved with this series? Um, well, luckily, um, the the guy that wrote it, Will McDonald, he wrote it with a team of people as well. Um, he apparently had me in mind for, as, for the role. Um, so they just approached me directly and said, would you be interested in this? And when I read that the role was a school principal, which theoretically I have been, and who's also a crime novel buff, which is kind of like being a police officer, I was like... <laughs> what on earth is this, this, of course they could want to be this, you know? So um, they approached me and said, would you be keen? This is the kind of premise of the web series. And it sounded excellent to me because it just, again, it spoke to my um, my passion around trying to help um, provide education and information in a good positive way, which help, which will hopefully get um, people engaged with it. Indeed. Look, how much room do they allow you for uh, to go off script and improvise? Because the topics obviously have to be oh, written in a yeah. way that's measured. Yeah, and especially as well because it was a collaboration with the Department of Internal Affairs. So there was a government side and then obviously Motion Sickness who made and produced it, um, who were the creative side. So there were certainly um, markers that had to be met, so to speak. Um, but in terms of the, the script, they were very happy for, for us to improvise um, as much as we wanted to, especially around, you know, things like the staff, there's a staff room scene. And, and yes. when me and Tammy Davis just mucking about, like, you know, we could we, we generally kind of do a scripted version and then make some rubbish up and then they choose whatever whatever happened yeah whatever was the best yeah look the scenes at at the beginning you know especially at the very beginning the first episode where you're trying to come up and kind of break down who are we interrogating who are our suspects and you yeah. know trev yeah, that and was, flank they're like yeah. they're, they're in all of them they're just brilliant i love those scenes at the very beginning yeah. well that was all improvised that whole that whole staff room but pretty much you know um especially the, all the names but and then i obviously got to sneak in the fact that that Melanie Bracewell's teacher's name was Karen, even though it wasn't. So I was like, ha, you yes. know, because my, my name sucks at the moment. No one wants to be called Karen, you know? Look, I think you're doing an amazing job of changing that. Uh, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to change it. Karen's going to be cool again. I'm going to make a show up inside it in New Zealand. It's going to be called, have you heard of our show called Country Calendar? No, no, I haven't. Actually. It's the longest running show in New Zealand. It's been running since like the 1960s. Right. Honestly. Yeah, it's like a farming show, but it's the most popular show in New Zealand. Wow. Which I guess is either really cool or really embarrassing. But <laughs> anyway, there's a show called Country Calendar. And I thought what I could do is make a show called Country Calendar, where oh. I go around New Zealand and talk to Karens who are actually really cool. And then we just make Karen cool again. That's done. Sign me up. And, okay. uh... <laughs> okay. Are you going to sign me up with your money? Because that's all I'll need. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, you take a post-dated check, 2025 um, is where Absolutely. I can... <laughs> They've still got checks in Australia. <laughs> uh, not only I do. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, as a parent of a, a teen and preteen, um, yep. how important was it for the content in Eggplant to remain, I guess, um, accessible? Oh, I think that was the whole point. I think it was important for it to be accessible, but really honest as well. I didn't, mm. you know, I think often we, especially as parents, and I'm obviously as a parent as well of a 10 year old. So he's getting, you know, towards that age where all the stuff's going to, well, it's probably already is to be honest, like it's earlier and earlier. So I think making it um, upfront and honest, realistic, um, you know, so you're not trying to hide things or sneak things, you know, brush things under the carpet. I think that was really important. And so the honesty was, was raw. And there were parts in that, you know, in that web series that I think were, you know, pretty confronting. But yes. I think ultimately what it did was hopefully open the opportunity for a, a discussion. And if you're watching it with your parents, then you can you can talk to your parents about it. But at least it makes you think about it and think that I'm, you know, if, if it's you, then I'm not the only one, you know? Yeah. The other thing I wanted to, I was just curious, was it a one-off series perhaps, or will there be a follow-up and you'll reprise your role as well? Well, I've got some good news for you. I've already reprised it. Oh, we just did, we just completed yeah and it's I don't know I don't know if it's on YouTube yet but it's on TV and on demand but we just did a um 
a half an hour special which is on conspiracy theories and misinformation. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, you can say hello if you want to. No? Okay, that's my son calling <laughs> Just a, And I'll clarify. So if we hear any little pitter-patter in the background. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, that will be my, my son. But I've told him to stay still and not move. I don't know what he's doing. No, no, that's, no. he's more than welcome to say hi. Yeah, look, no, he's too sure he doesn't want to now. No, that's fair enough. Look, <laughs> yeah. And- um, yeah, so the conspiracy theory one will be good. And I think that's obviously very timely with what's happening, you know, at the moment with the old COVID and the vaccinations and all of these people. And this is, I guess, again, it's another danger of the internet, how easy a ridiculous rumour can become some somebody's truth, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think so to highlight that, especially for young people and to encourage people to make sensible, well-informed decisions about things like vaccinations and all of that kind of stuff, I think it, it was very timely. And again, it's something that it obviously resonates with your passion for education the series really is a great initiative to encourage families and teens alike to open up discussions around uncomfortable topics like pornography and bullying. For anyone interested, all six episodes can be viewed on YouTube. Now, yeah. let's rewind back to 2014, where yes. casting director Tina Cleary, who was, who was also a parent of one of the children at the Adelaide ECC, she encouraged yeah. you to audition for a part in the 2014 film, What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. For the uninitiated... Um, with this particular story, do you mind resharing the experience of the audition and what was it like on set for the first time with Jermaine? Yeah, so it was actually back in 2012 because it took them that long to edit the film because there was so much footage. So it was 2012 when yeah Tina came up to me and said, hey, Karen, these guys are making a vampire film. They need a couple of cops. You should try out. And I was like, no, I'm not an actor. I don't want to do that. And she was like, no, I think you'd be good at it. I was like, no, I don't want to. Um, anyway, she's such a nice person that I... Um, I said, she said, look, just come and chat to me on Saturday. We'll t- talk about it. And if you don't want to do it, I'll leave you alone. I was like, yeah, fine. All right. Okay. <laughs> and then on the, I'd had quite a lot of fun on Friday. So I was feeling not the best on Saturday. So I almost didn't turn up. But then I thought I'd better go. And I turned up and she'd organized an audition. With, and I had no idea. And so she, so there I was, there's an audition. And there was Cohen Holloway, who's pretty well known in Australia, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And he's been lots of Tykers. He's in pr- pretty much every one of Tykers films. Yes. Um, and so she said, look, just pretend you and Cohen are cops. You're coming into this weird party and her and Lauren Taylor, um, who's another great, she just did her first feature film um, and is a great, amazing, talented woman. Um, they were the, doing the casting. So they pretended to be these, you know, they had accents and they were obviously, we didn't know at the time, but vampire-esque, but we just knew that they had interesting accents. Yes. And she just investigate like there's something going on at this party. And so I just, and just sound like you're a cop, was it? okay and I had no I was but the good thing was because I didn't know what I was getting up into in for I couldn't be nervous about it so I just sort of was like I just said what I'd say and then the next day I think it was she rang and said oh Tyker and Jermaine love you you're in the movie I said what I'm in the movie <laughs> Tyker and Jermaine like the famous guys and so then I was, I was like okay oh god I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to do this and obviously for what we do in the shadows there was no script at all so it was fully improvised like Jermaine and Tyker had this had a script but no one else saw it So, yeah, so all they did was they would, um, they knew where they wanted each scene to go and where they wanted the film to go. And they would use, you know, their knowledge of the script to try and steer it in the right direction. But obviously that allowed the scope for so much improv and, and, you know, things that they wouldn't have thought of that were really brilliant becoming part of the film. So, yeah, so I turned up on set. It was like 11 o'clock at night, got into my cop uniform, sat down, felt quite sick and nervous. Um, Actually, that's, oh, this might, might be where the lime brown came from. I had a lime brown in my bag. 
Okay, it is. Yeah. I was going to touch on that. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a lime brown in my bag, yes. But it sounds um, like the truth I, has been misconstrued, and I'm sure something that... Yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was just obviously the only one I could find in my fridge. Um, yeah, and so I was just sitting there going, oh, goodness, great. That was for after when I'd finished. I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna need a beer after I finish this. And then, um, and then I met Mike Minogue for the first time, and he was there in his cop uniform, you know. You know when you just meet someone and you instantly get on with them? So, and he was really like, he had been, again, he was, he's, he's quite an accidental actor too, but he'd been at least in a couple of things. So he was very right. kind, very supportive and so reassuring. And I think he made a world of difference. So, and he just was really funny. And we just, we, we had this, a similar sense of humor. So, you know, and then we walked out and Jermaine said, okay. And he's always just so great and matter of fact, and just friendly and cool. He's like, so um, what's your name going to be? I said, what? He said, what's your name going to be? I said, I don't know. It's your movie. Shouldn't you know what my name's going to be? He's like, I don't know. What is your name? I was like, O'Leary. He's like, yeah, that's so cop. And so that's how we ended up with our own names. It was because he hadn't bothered to think of any names for us. He was just going to call us Policeman 1 and Policeman 2. Um, yeah, and then the first time I ever met Taika was when I, he opened the door and we were on, in the first our first scene and acting with him. So that was the first time I ever met him. Wow. Yeah. Let me sidetrack briefly and do my yeah. worst Mike Monroe impersonation. Um, that was it, of the best 90s TV incarnation and say, Karen, welcome to This Is Your Life moment. So I was fortunate enough to reach out to a known associate of yours and here is oh, their no. statement for meeting you on set for the first time. G'day, Officer O'Leary. It's Officer Minogue oh, no. here. Um, been asked to supply a funny story about you, but um, can't really think of any, to be fair. Um, although there is one that's quite good, and that was that when we very, very first met, um, which was on the set of the film What We Do in the Shadows. Um, we were waiting to go on uh, to get caught into the set for the first time. We'd just met there, hadn't we? And uh, I got a photo of you falling asleep in your chair. Because it turns out when you're nervous, you fall, in your, you fall asleep. So there you were, you're asleep in your chair. And I just thought, God, she's relaxed. And you were relaxed, weren't you? But it's because you, uh, you were terrified. Anyway, have a lovely chat. Love you. Bye. I just want to say thank you so much, Mike, for <laughs> extending that and, you know, still collaborating on this. And for yourself, Karen, can you corroborate the story and elaborate on your stress napping? <laughs> It, well, it is. He is. He is true. He is right. And I have seen the photograph. And he was like, "Ha ha! Look what I got!" I was like, "Ah! Where'd you get it? Delete it!" But he still got it. He still sends it to me every now and again, just to remind me. It's a friendly little reminder. Um, and yeah, I guess I just was so nervous. Like, I just don't want to think about anything. I feel quite sick. I'm just going to go to sleep until they say, "Hurry up and get out of there." I'm, I'm a bit better now. I tend to stay awake now and just feel sick, which is good. <laughs> While your first on-screen appearance uh, alongside Mike um, Minogue may have been brief. It was memorable enough for the creative tree of Jermaine, Tiger, and Paul Yates to crystallize their vision into the spin-off series, Wellington Paranormal, now in its third season um, on SBS On Demand here in Australia. And I understand that the fourth season's fin being finalized in post. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So it's just, it'll, it should be coming out early next year, I do believe. Um, is there any way that you're able to share what kind of ghouls or paranormal awaits your on-screen personas in season four? If you want me to get fired, yes. But do you want me to get fired? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I'll say is they're different. They're not the same as the ones we've seen. No, brilliant. Uh, look, for any listeners not aware of this brilliant New Zealand TV show, uh, no bias on my end. It follows two oh. laconic officers, O'Leary and Minogue, in the vein of X-Files and police procedural parodies, with each episode presenting a new otherworldly case to be investigated at the command of Sergeant Maka, 
And now I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Maka Pohatu. Maka, yeah. Maka. Yeah. Maka and how do you, Pohatu. Well, yeah. And everyone in the show is brilliant. I love the fact that Parker's character was also more involved at the beginning of the second season and then he's just become more frequent. So I yeah, love the inclusion. Great. Well, he's Tom Sainsbury is an absolute genius. So, you know, he's just a genius of a person. Everything he does is hilarious. And it's just like, even if he's just sitting in a chair, it makes you laugh. Um, so even in, in season four, he's, He's in it again even more. And actually, Tom wrote one of the episodes for season four, which is a really good one. Brilliant. How long on average does it take to film an episode? Um, Normally, I think the first three seasons, we had four days an episode. And I think we got a little bit more money for the fourth. So we got four and a half days. Lovely. Okay. Who's more likely to goof or, you know, have the highest gag reel count during takes on set? I mean, the corpse thing, the people that crack up and then ruin a tape. Is that yes. what you mean? Yes. Maka Pohatu without a shadow of a doubt. Really? Yeah. <laughs> every time. Yeah. And he's got the best laugh. So then when he laughs, it's hard not to join in. But me and me and Mike are pretty good. We, we, you know, it's almost like we're competitive not to laugh. So, right. but it's definitely Maka Pohatu. He's, he's brilliant at corpsing. That's brilliant. Uh, look, the success of the show really is down to the ability that all the characters have. But in particular for yourself and Mike, to find the comedy in the moment. Is there a particular way that you allow yourself for that to happen? No, we just be in the moment. And if something funny happens, we hope to notice it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I guess I guess as well, like it helps that we've got such a talented team of writers, you know, we're quite a diverse team of writers as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got a, a, a range of writers who come up with these great storylines. And then because there is that, that ability to have lots of room for movement, um, I think it does open the door for, you know, for, for Mike and I to just, go off on some tangent, end up talking rubbish that we, we don't even realise is going to be funny. But then you sort of look back and I think, oh, actually, that was quite funny. But it was just us talking shit, really. <laughs> That's what I love. Yeah. There are 18 episodes, three seasons so far. Can I ask, do you have a standout onset moment? When we were on the boat in the Tanifar episode? Yes. That was pretty hilarious. Jason Hoyt is a very funny person. And... I just, I still can't get past when Mike was telling the ghost story that almost got me. It, oh no, I, I stayed, kept a straight face, but that was, that was hilarious. And also working with um, Anna Scottney, who I had worked with as well on the Breaker Upperers, which was another film. Um, and she was, she played the werewolf. Working with her was fantastic. And she was just, it was just the whole episode. So the whole time working with her was, was brilliant. And all of the people, I don't want to sell anyone out there. Everyone's of been course, so great. It's, I understand that. I was going to say, the other nice thing is there obviously are people that are actors, but so many of the people that get called into the show are non-actors, and they're non-actors for a reason, because they need to seem real and authentic. So if of you course. had actors, then they'd be like, oh, they, they already know what they're going to say, you know. So we've got this amazing range of people from everywhere, and they come in and they all bring something different, and I think it's it's really nice working with, with lots of different people. But have you ever considered stepping, you know, behind the camera to direct an episode, maybe in season five or six, or you're happy to stay on the other side? Well, I just, I watched what the directors do, like when Jackie Van Beek's directing or Tim Van Dammen or Jermaine, um, I just, I see what they've got to do. And I think, how do they know what to do? So I just don't know that I, I would love to give it a try, but I think I'd be crap at it, to be fair. At the <laughs> moment, I'll just, I'll keep watching and I'll try to keep learning, you know, but I just think. I find what they do amazing, like to have the vision and to know what needs to go where, when when all that stuff needs to happen. Like it's a lot of organisation. And to be fair, I'm very disorganised. I'm more <laughs> of a turn up, say some rubbish, walk away. You know, that's that's kind of more my forte. Look, and due to the lateness of the release in the States, um, mm-hmm. so the USA, they're lapping up the comedy, yeah. the, the deadpan style, um, the brilliance of the show. 
and it's garnering unprecedented attention. I was seeing it was from the New York Times, Variety, The Guardian, Rolling Stone magazine, uh, where just this month it was voted number one TV show in the top pop culture picks for the month. So, Isn't you know, that crazy? Don't you think that's crazy? I just well, keep thinking silly. That's what I wanted to ask you. How does it feel to get all this attention from North America? It must be surreal. It is surreal. And because obviously, again, because I came from a teaching background and I still feel like, what am I doing on a TV show? Like, I still just kind of pinch myself and think, oh, how fantastic is this? But, you know, I guess, again, it's it's testament to the creative vision that Taika Jermaine and Paul Yates, you know, especially Jermaine and Paul Yates, who are mm. really hands-on. Um, I think their ability to get a fantastic group of people together has just meant that me and Mike are just, we're in some pretty lucky, pretty lucky place, to be fair. And also, I think, you know, I, I need to, I have been told off for being typically New Zealand and saying, oh, it's all just luck. I'm, you know, it's not like I'm an actual actor, but Mike and I potentially are okay at what we do. And, and, and so hopefully that also has helped the show's success. No, you guys are more than okay. And, you know, the show's success, I think it's only going to grow. As Mike would say, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, he said phenomenal. Sorry, you don't say that. Yeah, and I'd say no, phenomenal. <laughs> I'm sure it's been a shock to the US audiences, not only because of the vernacular and the use of the Maori expressions, mm. but as officers of New Zealand police, especially at least portrayed in the show, um, you're only carrying tasers. We've only got one taser. We've only got well, one. that's right, which you rotate on a weekly basis, yeah. whoever's not yeah. driving. <laughs> yeah. So I was curious to know if the image of the New Zealand police has been positively impacted due to the show. Yeah, yeah, we've well, actually it has been, and we did we did wonder about that, and and you know have obviously we didn't want it, them to be getting a bad name or anything mm. like that. But the, the feedback has been incredibly positive, and actually, obviously during COVID, we worked together with the New Zealand Police to do all of the COVID ads. Yes, and if you saw any of yes, those, yes, I've seen those. Um, yes. Yeah, and and obviously now that I, when I see actual real police officers in the street, more more often than not, they'll say, "Oh, good day, O'Leary, how's it going?" And oh, we are getting sick of call, being called O'Leary and Minogue, but they said that generally speaking it's more likely people come up to want to have a laugh with them than potentially tell them to F off pigs, you know, which I think that's positive. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Look, to round this off, I'm a huge Wellington Paranormal fan. And for those listening who haven't checked it out yet, you're in luck because you can binge all three seasons via SPS On Demand. Now, I want to finally rock out with a little fun and funner. Oh, yeah. Now, did you and Tom Watson conceive the kids' band or was it kind of something that you both brought elements into? Yeah, so basically, since I'd been an early title teacher, like, you know, from right from the start, um, I had a, a good friend of mine and a, co- a colleague, Kim Leach, who used to play the guitar. And I used to think, oh, that's really cool. Music's such a powerful tool. And so I just used to watch what she did and think, oh, I could never do that. She'd look, Karen, all it is is three chords, either C, C, G, and F, or A, D, and E. And you can play any song you want for kids, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I could do that. So I did start playing the guitar more and more, you know, just with your regular twinkle twinkles and what have you. Then I started thinking, God, some of these songs are so boring, you know. Mm. So I started to just make up ridiculous songs. And then I started working with Tom. This was years and years later um, when he started to work at Adelaide Early Childhood Centre. And he's like a bona fide Wellington musician. He used to be in Head Like a Hole and all sorts of other great bands. And so we would obviously muck about together and sing songs and, you know, and he'd join in with, with the songs that I'd already written. And then one of the parents happened to work for New Zealand on air and said I've heard you guys there's some there's a new funding round if they want kid, someone to make a kids album you should apply for funding and me and Tom were like yes but we had no idea how to apply for to apply for funding we had no idea how to fill in the form we didn't know what KPIs were um, yeah. and we had till four o'clock the next day so we were like okay we need a band name what's our band name going to be we're like um one of our colleagues I think said dumb and dumber we're like, oh that's a bit harsh and then I said fun and funner so that's how we got fun and funner beautiful um 
And then we just quickly got this form and they said, yes, we'll give you some money to make an album. So then we're like, oh, shivers, now we've got to make an album. But luckily for, for me, Tom's got so many positive connections in the Wellington music scene that we ended up with this amazing super group of people that are in a, a fantastic band. So we've got like a nine-piece band filled with incredibly talented musicians. The album titled Better Than Normal, which was released 2020, there are 11 tracks. Um, they're yeah. ranging from rock, punk rock, folk, pop rock to lullabies. And there's elements of scat, zorba and soul. Um, now, I listened to the whole album a couple of days ago while I was working. It's really easy to listen to. And the grooves are fantastic. And I'll get later, I'll later mention, you know, some of these huge artists that you're mentioning that collaborated. But it was so refreshing to hear children's music breaking that mold from the usual simple melodies yeah. and overuse of the triangle and recorder. Yeah, and I think, and that was that was really important to Tom and I. And I think, again, that's something that I've learned through my journey as an early childhood teacher. You know, just because they're children doesn't mean, you know, I guess as well, it's like, you don't need to dumb things down for children. Like they're, mm. they're the most perceptive people we have in our society. They're all the, also the most curious and they're also the most creative. Like there's this amazing talk about how a child at four is creativity's like divergent creativity is like at 98%. By the time they get to 18, it's down to about 12. Wow. You know, that's what school does to does to kids. It, it just cuts out their creativity. So I think just having yeah music that was engaging, fun and, and lots of different genres meaning that it could be it could be enjoyable for lots of different children that was really important to us and we just wanted it to be fun like I don't you know what of some of that early some of the early childhood music just makes me want to poke my eye up with a compass <laughs> you know <laughs> I do I get that indeed look what musicians inspired um you guys while you were working on this album ourselves <laughs> yeah I guess I'm terrible I don't really watch tv and movies and I don't actually listen to a lot of music to be fair um but I guess Working at early childhood centre, I mean, you've got the perfect place to test out any material. So it would just be a matter of mucking around. Three chords would come out and I'd play them, you know, we'd play them at different speed or whatever, different tempo. Yes. And then you say, what do kids want to hear about? And they want to hear about poo and the fuddy pucky. So that's what you do. You know, you write a song about that. So do you have a favourite song from the album? Because you've just named, you've named my favourite song. Yeah, poo and the fuddy pucky is, is probably our number one hit. I think my favourite is... I actually love Sharing is Fearing. So I think it's an underrated song. I think the message is very powerful. And I think it it's it's just got an amazing um, power to it. That doesn't make sense. It's very powerful. It's got an amazing amount of power. <laughs> I would change that to it's, it's powerful and it's just got a real sense of soul to it, you know? It does. Um, and I also cool. love Tippy Ballet Toes. And I've got a softness for loveliness of ladybirds as well. I do too. That, I love song. that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> look, and is there, are there any plans for a second album? hopefully there certainly are yes we've tom and i've been writing some new stuff um and we're hoping to if we ever get around to apply for some more funding but otherwise we'll just pay the money and, and make another album because i think it's worth it i think the children of, of the world need our music you know the album also features and this is where we'll get to the musical talents the likes of founding percussionist for trinity roots ricky gooch bassist andrew bain of fur patrol and tony chang aka toby lang the trumpet player of my favorite psychedelia infused funk soul reggae outfit fat freddy's drop i love those guys and yeah well i'm just going to quickly name the rest because they're all fantastic We've please my do backing, my backing vocalist and this is hilarious because they're both fantastic singers lisa tomlins who's brilliant and vanessa stacy then we've also got eilish wilson who's currently over in the states doing a fulbright's playing jazz saxophone um wow. so she plays all sorts of things like the flute and the clarinet and the saxophone and she's marvelous and fantastic um and also my partner so i'm probably biased and then we've also <laughs> got anita who plays um the violin and she also goes on by the name of motta um and she was she just brought a whole new 
just amazing listen to the, to the album. And then we also had um, probably missed someone out now, and that's going to be terrible. If I've missed someone out, you have to cut it in in the edit, okay? <laughs> Done. No, that's, that's everyone. That's everyone. <laughs> well, and it really is worth checking out. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And look, I was hoping if you can indulge me a bit further, because I really appreciate your time, Karen. And I want to yeah. end the discussion. I was a massive fan. I don't know if you ever watched uh, James Lipton. He used to do interviews on this show called the Inside the Actor Studio. He created it and he hosted it from 1994 to 2018. He would ask these 10 questions at the conclusion of each interview. Okay. So he would also give credit for the list to this French talk show host, Bernard Pivot, as well as note that the list originally came from novelist Marcel Proust. Um, so how are you feeling so far about this? About this quiz of 10 questions? Mm. I'm feeling confident, quietly confident. Yeah. Brilliant. And exciting. Okay. All right. So it's not, it's not actual trivia, is it? It's just no, a- it's not actual trivia at all. Okay, there's no um, right or wrong answer. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm so number one, what is your favorite word? Can I ask a quick question to, to get clarify? Sure. Is it my favorite word in terms of what the word means or my favorite word and just in the way that the word sounds? Ah, uh, well, I, I'm happy for you to answer either or. Well, I actually wrote this word down today and I realized I've got a real soft spot for it. I'm not sure it's my favorite and because there are a lot of words in the world and I don't want to discriminate against words. But I really like the word plethora. And then if I was going to choose a word that I like, just the meaning of it, then you, you can't go past love, I think. What is your least favourite word? Um, my least favourite word? Racism. What turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Other people. What turns you off? Closed-mindedness and discrimination. What is your favourite curse word? Mm, I like quite a few of them, but it probably shit. What sound or noise do you love? The sound of um, a leather cricket, a cricket ball on a, on a willow bat. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of, oh, I can see it in my teeth on edge, the sound of teeth biting into an ice block. What profession other than your own, I mean, you have your multi-school, but other than your own that you're not doing at the moment, would you like to attempt? Politics. What profession would you not like to do? Um... I mean, I'd like to think I'd give anything a go to see if I, you know, if, it, if I liked it, but there must be something I would think I definitely wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to be a national party politician. Is <laughs> that? <laughs> the final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Okay. I'd like them to say, hello, it's nice to see you. Is that deep but, enough? Do you want me to say something really deep and spiritual? Not at all. I mean... I just want them to be welcoming and be like, yeah, cool. It's nice to see you. Come on. We'll show you around. Make yourself at home. Um, bummer, you're obviously dead now. But don't worry because, look, you've got a whole new life here and there's some amazing people. That's yeah. what I want them. Just want them to be friendly. Thank you so much, Cameron. Um, no, I'm we- sure you haven't been asked those questions and probably for good reason you're thinking, but... <laughs> no, they're, I just, they're hard on the spot. Now I'm going to go and do heaps of things that I love and heaps of things that I hate. But never mind. Those will have to do for now. That was short, you know, my, my rapid fire answers. But yeah. Thank you so much. Look, I, I just want to give you the floor now. Um, if you want to share any upcoming projects or further promote any news or events that you feel like sharing to the community of listeners, the floors are yours. Thank you. Well, upcoming events are obviously everyone should get vaccinated as soon as they can. That's the first thing. And that's most important. I'm going to get my second jab very soon. Um, but in terms of a, from a creative point of view, Michelle Savile's feature film, she's a, an amazing New Zealand um, writer and director. Millie Lies Low is coming out in the New Zealand International Film Festival. And I've got a short part in that as a security guard. I'm very typecast as a uniformed lesbian, but that's cool. Um, so that's something to look forward to. And then, like I said, New Tuesday is coming out. Some t- at some stage, at some stage, 
And also Lauren Taylor has made her feature film, which I've got a very small part in as well, which will be coming out at some stage again in the future. But these things take time, don't they? Mm-hmm. They do. Indeed. And other than that, I'd hopefully just anyone out there wants to give me a job, like um, I, I can sing, I can um, talk to children and I can um, do things in uniforms. I think the benefit here was the fact that speaking to me must have felt like talking to a child. So you were you know, more than prepared for that. Absolutely. It's very similar. I just had to try and keep you in line, keep you positively engaged and think, you were, think that I was listening to everything you were saying, even when I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, just joking. It was fantastic. Look, Karen, you're, you're an absolute legend. I sincerely hope that you have enjoyed yourself on some level. I've enjoyed it on every level. I mean, on, on a normal or a paranormal level, even. Well, um, I think it was, it was paranormally good. Brilliant. And I can confirm yeah. I've had my two shorts already. Good on you. Yeah. And look, to everyone else from wherever you're tuning in, may you keep safe keep in good health and keep being kind to each other. Um, And until Mm. next time, ciao. See ya. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film. Subscribe to hear all future episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. For more info, please visit Diary of a Crowdfunded Film on Facebook.